This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. From London, I'm John Weeks and this is The Standard. The Labour Party is under fire after ditching its pledge to spend £28 billion on making Britain a clean energy superpower. Sir Keir Starmer is scaling back the plans in response to the country's economic situation and in part to show that Labour can be the responsible party with the UK's finances. And it's not the first time we've seen such a scaling back of eco-policies. In September last year, the Conservative government made its own green policy U-turn, pushing back net zero goals and delaying the ban on the sale of new petrol and diesel cars. Back then, Jess Ralston from the Energy and Climate Intelligence Unit think tank told us there's actually an appetite among voters for more green policies from the government. Yeah, interestingly, actually, um, throughout the pandemic and the cost of living crisis, climate change and the environment has remained in the top four or even three most of the time, the top concerns for the public. So I think it's barking up the wrong tree to say that, you know, the public won't want to see less net zero measures. I actually think they probably want to see more because we're all seeing the floods, the droughts, um, all the other consequences of climate change happening in the world but also in the UK and that has an impact on how people feel about action on climate change. So what has prompted Labour to cut the budget for one of its five key election missions and how could this latest decision impact votes in the upcoming general election? Joining me now is our deputy political editor Jitendra Joshi. So Jitendra, This is quite a significant U-turn by Labour, isn't it? What do you think has prompted it? There are two answers to that question. The Labour answer would be that when they made this plan in 2021, projections for government spending and finance were very different. Pre-Liz Trust, pre-the quasi so-called budget of quasi-Quateng, which Labour say crashed the economy, drive up borrowing costs and required the government to really rein things in and required uh, themselves, the Labour Party, to rein in their own projections as to where they would be able to take the economy, take government spending um, and specifically take a a green investment plan uh, once the election came round. More specifically, however, you could point to quite damaging attacks in recent weeks from the Tories who have been arguing that £28 even if it comes through new borrowing effectively amounts to a tax grab on ordinary families in the middle of a cost of living crisis. You can raise borrowing, 
but someone has to pay for that eventually, which is somewhat ironic given that's exactly what Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng did, and that's what Rishi Sunak has been trying to rectify ever since. However, whatever's caused this situation to be in where we are, Labour say they recognise that we are where we are. Things have changed in the last two or three years, and much as they'd like to plough ahead with this and other ambitious policies, they will not compromise on what Rachel Reeves calls the fiscal rules and her intention to manage the economy with, with what she, she says is will be iron discipline. This sort of change, this U-turn, has already received quite a lot of opposition and criticism, even today. Do you think it will have the desired effect for Labour, or do you think it will actually backfire? What we're seeing today, you're right, is is a storm of criticism from all sides, most obviously from government, that, that's to be expected, but also from within Labour ranks, from environmentalists, from the scientific community. This announcement comes on the day that EU scientists are warning that we've already seen over the past year, for the first time ever, sustained temperature rises globally, surpassing 1.5 degrees centigrade, which, uh, as, as you'll recall, is the target which we're meant to limit temperature rises at 1.5 degrees. We're already over that. So the warnings are piling up that actually we're entering very, very dangerous new territory for the global climate. The floods and the wildfires and so on that we've been seeing over the last couple of years are are, are really important and much worse to come. So in the short term sense, yes, it's backfiring with concerned uh, members of the Labour Party, with environmentalists and, and with the scientific community. However, Labour are betting, I think, on a political calculus here, which is that this is all quite academic to voters at large, whether ultimately we end up spending 28 billion or less or even more perhaps once the economy allows it is neither here nor there that they are committed to a green investment plan. The actual figure might be up for grabs, but they don't think voters are going to obsess about that necessarily. What voters do worry about and what the leadership wants to inoculate themselves against is any notion that they're being irresponsible after all that we went through with with Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng, that Rachel Reeves and Keir Starmer insisted, actually, you can trust us now to stabilise the economy and to manage your finances responsibly while taking a longer-term view on of these investments. So whether it ultimately backfires, we'll have to see. Their calculation is it's worth the short-term hit from uh, what they would see as the usual suspects. And that being said, there is, of course, an economic benefit to a lot of these green projects, or at least a purported economic benefit. Do we know at all, Jitendra, from other countries, whether big investment in green projects like wind energy have actually worked to sort of boost the economy? Well, this is exactly the point that Labour critics such as Barry Gardner are making. We spoke with uh, Mr Gardner this morning. He's the MP for Brent North and, and a former shadow climate secretary. His point is that if you take the US example under Joe Biden, the Inflation Reduction Act has created, just in its first year, has created 170,000 new jobs and brought about new investment of $110 billion into the US economy. This is uh, through exactly the same kind of investments that the Green Prosperity Plan foreseen by Labour would bring about, including home insulation, new renewable energy, such as offshore wind turbine manufacturing, gigafactories to make batteries for electric vehicles, and so on. The big caveat to that is that 
Britain is not America. We don't have that sort of borrowing power. And especially after after um, the Liz Truss administration, Britain's cost of borrowing went right up. And so the Americans can borrow to their hearts content, really, because, because of the, the uh, position of the US dollar as the world's reserve currency. We simply don't have that buying power. That would be the concern expressed by by Rachel Reeves and her team is that we need to cut our cloth according to uh, the finances the Labour will inherit. Let's take a break now. Coming up in part two, sustainability expert Juliet Kinsman explains how the climate, government policies and things like migration are all interconnected. I think people don't always make that connection that the government's policies perhaps around migration and the government's policies around transition to green energy are actually part of the same conversation. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. So, Juliet, Labour making this change, this sort of U-turn, is pretty bad timing, isn't it? With the release of this data showing that the world has seen 12 months of more than 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. What does that mean and why is this sort of latest climate update so significant? So the planet is heating up. We've had so many warnings and I think it's heartening that people are talking about climate. They're aware of what sustainability means. We know that the United Nations has been saying for a long time that we have to cap the increase in in temperatures. However, we're not doing so. The Paris Agreement from 2015 really did lay out a strategy and a big warning that we can't go above 1.5 degrees because there will be dramatic consequences to human life, to geography, to the warming of the oceans. And I'm afraid to say we're not doing very well. Human activity, you know, we're living in the Anthropocene era, we call it. That's the era where humans are affecting uh, everything in the planet. Human activity is causing the world to heat up to dangerous levels. And Labour will say, you know, they are still committed to the cause. They're still committed to green projects, but they have to manage their figures appropriately and and focus on different things at different times. Is that fair enough, do you think? I think a lot of everything in the world comes down, it comes down to money and it comes down to spreadsheets and the people in charge trying to reconcile, well, how things will serve budgets and people tend to vote according to what suits them financially. And this is, of course, just one policy change by one party in one country. But how much power do our votes actually have when it comes to sort of impacting the climate? 
I think there's a cognitive dissonance. We know that there's a climate crisis. We know the planet's heating up. But somehow we just think those in charge, whether it's corporations or governments, are the ones who are going to fix things. There's a disconnect between our own actions. But of course, we're the ones who vote for those who are in charge. We're the ones that buy products from certain corporations. Our own lifestyle choices, we have huge agency over that, whether we choose green energy providers who we have our bank accounts with, you know, financial systems and political systems. It is all interconnected with people everywhere and planet. And I understand that you've been saying that there's a direct link between climate change and immigration. How does that work? So if you look at our planet heating up, you look at the continent of Africa. So that's 54 countries out of uh, 195, a quarter of the world's countries. Those temperatures they're experiencing are absolutely on the rise. If you look at Ethiopia, year-round averages going up, there's a really significant famine there. It doesn't get as much airtime as it should. Those people will need to move simply to survive. And so there's going to be a big connection between people moving, migration, whether asylum seekers, refugees, trying to seek places they can live just to survive. And I think people don't always make that connection that the government's policies perhaps around migration and the government's policies around a transition to green energy are actually part of the same conversation. Pick up the Evening Standard newspaper for more news, interviews and analysis or head to standard.co.uk. Thanks for listening. We're back tomorrow afternoon at four o'clock. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.